0: And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In our scripture readings today, we have a dramatic series of befores and afters. Sin and punishment, judgment and redemption, death and rebirth in Christ. We are also presented with images of lifting ups. In Numbers, a snake. In John, our savior. And in Ephesians, the company of the redeemed, all for the purpose of healing, redemption, and victory. Let's start with our story from the Old Testament. We have the final scene of the murmuring or rebellion stories in the Book of Numbers, and it takes place in the 40th year of the Israelites' sojourn in the wilderness. Although the first generation of the Israelites rescued from slavery has nearly died off, the second generation is about to enter the Promised Land. And yet this generation has not learned to trust Yahweh and continues to complain like their mothers and fathers. With yet another detour around the Red Sea, in their impatience, all the old complaints are recited once again. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this desert? There is no food and water. We loathe this worthless food. They complain against Moses and against the very God who has displayed his glory and power through their rescue from slavery, the very God who they dramatically entered into covenant at Mount Sinai, and he was provided for them in 40 years in the desert. Their ingratitude and rebellion is met with a deathly plague of venomous snakes. In their panic, they realize their sin and say to Moses, pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. Moses once again appeals to Yahweh on their behalf, and once again the Lord relents. And yet, the Lord does not directly answer their plea. He does not remove the snakes. Instead, Moses is instructed to sculpt a bronze representation of these deadly creatures. Thus, to look at the serpent on the pole is to look at the effect of their sin, like looking in a mirror. Many have found this story in Numbers puzzling. Why does the Lord have Moses construct a representation of what is also an Egyptian deity, one that is actually featured on Pharaoh's headdress. But this is no Egyptian magic, but a demonstration of the power and the wisdom of Yahweh. The Lord has the Israelites cast their vision at the very symbol of their punishment to clearly present to them that both the judgment and the healing are from the Lord. An ugly image of death becomes the source of a rescue from death. Unfortunately, the future history of Israel will prove that their repentance was short-lived and a permanent solution to the problem of sin is still needed. So it should not be too shocking that Jesus, in his late-night conversation with Nicodemus, which is what begins the passage we heard today, under the cover of darkness, will use this very image of the bronze serpent to point to the permanent redemption that will only come from the ugliness of his own death. With his analogy, Jesus points forward to a future event in which he will be lifted up on the cross and then from the grave into the he- heavenly realm of God. Thus, the lifting up for Jesus has a double edge, the humiliation horror, and suffering of the cross, as well as the exaltation of the resurrection. Another before and after. There is no exaltation apart from the crucifixion. No cross, no crown. Before Jesus can enter into the victory of the resurrection, he must endure the cross. The road to redemption runs right through suffering and pain. As Isaiah foretold, he was despised and rejected by all, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. An ugly image indeed. In our passage in John, the focus on the lifting up is on its salvific effects, that whoever believes in Jesus may have eternal life. The point of the comparison between Jesus and Moses' serpent of bronze is the lifting up. What do we look for for our salvation? As the Israelites gazed upon the lifted bronze serpent, they would be saved from the serpent's sting of death. So, too, our gaze must be directed at the Son of Man who bore our punishment to save us from death's sting. As Paul writes later, "Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting?" But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But there are important differences between Moses's pole and Jesus's cross. First, this rescue from death's grip is now complete in Christ. Secondly believers do not gaze at the source of their own punishment but at the redeemer who has borne it and it is not enough to simply look at the son of man one must believe in him and this belief is not mere intellectual assent jesus has told nicodemus earlier that to be rescued from death he must trust enough in jesus to allow himself to be reborn of water and the spirit. John here emphasizes that belief means coming out of darkness and walking in the light. It means doing what is true so that a good work can be seen as one carried out in faith. For as John states later in the passage read today, the opposite of belief is not unbelief but disobedience. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, he says in verse 36. Whoever disobeys the Son shall not see life. The emphasis shifts in in Ephesians to Christ being lifted up post-resurrection up to heaven with the promise that those in Christ are also raised up with him. But Paul also starts with a before. We were dead in our sins subject to the flesh and senses. And then Paul states, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And by grace, he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus a glorious lifting up indeed. But note that Paul insists we participate in the resurrection now as we are invited to embrace the gift of grace that we have received. The goal is a transformed life. In verse 10, he says, one created for good works, which God has created in Christ Jesus. Lent is the perfect time To consider our own befores and afters. Each of us has a story of a before when we found ourselves caught in our own webs of disappointment, doubt, sin, and even shame. And we have all lived under the power of that broken and false self described in the Ephesians passage. Sometimes our own actions or attitudes cripple us so that we cannot see the after of a God who is waiting to love us and offer us grace. Deep into this year's Lenten journey, now more than halfway, where are we in this process of not just acknowledging our sin, but of coming out of the shame of sin to the light of forgiveness and grace? Ephesians offers us hope because it speaks of the miraculous change in status that occurs for us through Jesus, who has been lifted up. We are no longer under the power of darkness and the prince of darkness. In Christ, we are told what he told Nicodemus we would be, those born of water and spirit into the new life in Christ our befores can be transformed into afters. There is a wonderful confidence about the reality of our being raised up to a transformed state, radiating throughout this Ephesians passage, because the source of the change is God. We do not deserve to be loved. We do not need or nor can we perform a miraculous turnabout in our own behavior our own strength christ will do it for us through the power of his spirit we cannot take any credit for this guaranteed spot in heaven he has guaranteed it for us the cross the resurrection and the ascension of christ must always be the text with which we interpret our lenten experience our repentance must be sifted through the reality of a victorious God who wants to first love us and then, through his love, change us. God does not ask us to look at our sin, nor to be reminded of our sin, but to look at our Savior, to gaze at the face of a loving and suffering Savior who has the power to meet our pain with his loving embrace, the face of a savior who endured the pain of the cross so that we would be joined to him forever in the heavenly place lifted up to the new Jerusalem, the new creation, and the new heaven on earth. Amen.